When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Preliminary final weekend. It's a time of the year where moments in games become legendary. Down to 10 seconds. Colbert. Where one contest can book you a spot in the big dance. A huge bank of players waiting down in front of Rice. His kick is a pull straight to Wallace. The mean bad man. Can he cover himself in glory? He's lost it and Murphy takes it away. That could be the turnover that cost them. What about the tackle by Fraser Brown? Back here at half back. Far into the grand final. Carlton. Carlton is into the grand final. Where the leaders stand up. Bonnie out of the middle. Parker on the burst, steps back inside, gives it to Gord. Willie from 55, he will, he can, he does! Oh, Max has got an eye toward being the first premiership captain since Barras. And when even the most unexpected can become heroes. Goes to Cox instead! Oh. He's got it again! <laughs> he thinks he's John Coleman right now, not Mason Cox! He's never bloody heard of John Coleman! This well, is a bloke who never played 42 years ago, ripping apart a preliminary <laughs> final in front of 100 bloody thousand. It's the weekend where the fans celebrate our great game. Oh, it's raucous at the G now. And when the stars can elevate themselves to greatness. Right. Seconds left. The kick to Wallace. Oh, what's going to be there? Wallace got it. 50 metres from goal. If he kicks a point, the Swans are into the grand final. Across Australia, into every car, every home, every lounge room and every shed. Welcome to the best weekend in football. Welcome to Preliminary Final Weekend, live on AFL Nation. Well, that'll do it for you. The set of iconic images that belong to this weekend through the recent history of the game, so easily called to mind. Heroic deeds and triumphant acts and the crestfallen nature of the vanquished on this weekend. It is stacked as we head toward it at the culmination of what feels like the best season this century. Tonight, it's Geelong against the Brisbane Lions who have suddenly fashioned a form of belief that has propelled teams in recent years all the way to a grand final. And then tomorrow, maybe the most anticipated match of this glorious season when a sold-out SCG will host the Sydney Swans 
and Collingwood. Good evening and welcome to AFL Nation for Motorola. New Motorola Edge Series coming soon. Visit motorola.com.au. Jared Waitley with you at the MCG where we are in the Coates Hire commentary box. Anthony Hudson is by my side. Hello, Hutto. Hello, Jared, and uh, good evening, everyone. Welcome indeed to a, a massive weekend and a big 48 hours ahead. As a commentator, we've been lucky to be here and be there to call some of those those big moments across the time. Any score will do. Wouldn't we yes. love to be saying that tonight? As a fan, uh, two of the starkest memories of preliminary final to me was in the backyard with a transistor on when Jimmy Steins crossed the mark in 1987 out at Waverley Park. And then two years later, I still think it's my favourite moment as a Geelong supporter, streaming out of Waverley Park on the back of Gary Ablett just tormenting Essendon and Paul Hamilton, and I let him know for years afterwards as he ducked around him and kicked one of those magical goals, to know that your team was in the grand final as we streamed out towards Brandon Park Shopping Centre where we parked our car miles away. <laughs> it was a great feeling, and... And the, the joy, the, the pain, or the, the torment of the 2007 when the Cats just got over the line, of course, against Collingwood, we referenced that. The thing I've loved the most about this final series so far is every, almost every match has felt like a preliminary final. Jared Healy, in your playing days, the preliminary final was sort of the repercharge. It was the second yes, semi-final. The advent of this two-preliminary final system has been, I think, the masterstroke of the final series in the AFL. Welcome. Thanks, Jared. Yeah, it's provided some of the greatest games that we've ever seen. And uh, for me, the probably the most exciting one that I've seen. And there's been many, many. But uh, from an historic perspective, when Plugger Lockett's point just wobbled through, to get Sydney into a grand final, it was almost the most important game I think the Swans had uh, played and certainly the most memorable victory on that ground because it, whilst they didn't go on to win the flag, I think it almost franked the experiment and said, OK, after two or three bad, bad game, uh, losses, sorry, uh, seasons where they had the wooden spoon, they'd somehow graduated and become Sydney's team because it had got themselves into a grand final. So... As much as I reflect on prelim finals, I'm still reflecting on seven days ago. I'm still in awe of that performance by the Brisbane Lions. It was just one for the ages for me. It was halfway through the third, second quarter. You know, I, I thought, and I said this last week, I thought it was going to be, you know, a 15-goal belting. I thought they were going to collapse, and no, they didn't. They just found something. And if they can bring that 214-level average pressure again for the game... There's no certainty. There is absolutely no certainty. They'll come in here as uh, sharp underdogs, but if they bring that pressure, anything can happen tonight. Old Bull, Young Bull has been the feature of our Friday nights when it's been at its best this season, and Nathan Jones is by your side. Hello, Jonesy. Hey, boys. I'm uh, pretty excited about tonight. I'm with you, Jared. I was um, I was shocked at, at what Brisbane, the level, particularly after quarter time last week, and I come here tonight thinking there's sort of one of two things. Have they spent all their petrol tickets, or do they grow another leg again? Mm. And uh, and and all of the buoyed by all of that confidence, almost sort of breaking an element of a hoodoo. They've they've won at the G. They've beaten the demons, and anything is possible now. So I'm pretty excited to see what they produce tonight. And I'm just I'm hanging for for a cracking cracking game. And it is, I think, uh, such a big day for the Cats. I know our uh, two co-hosts here are a bit toey, but uh, <laughs> I mean, just down at uh, Torquay, for instance, during the week, and I've said this before, mates of mine that are Geelong supporters, they come up and say, surely we won't lose. I mean, there's still <laughs> this, there's this doubt. 
about uh, the Cats, even though there shouldn't be any doubt. But a prelim final, someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. And I think there's a false sense of bravado with our two commentators here. are very confident. They're all very confident. <laughs> but deep, they strutted in, didn't deep they? Deep down, are they a little bit toey? It's all bluff and bluster. We <laughs> were all <laughs> through the turnstiles at the start. And I think for, for Chris Scott, uh, it would be – I mean, he, he won a premiership in his first year as, yep. as a coach, and we know – he probably does it well. I don't think he gets enough credit for, for that. But for him, this would be his crowning glory oh, to, to, to win a premiership yeah. this year. And no one could deny it. It would, it would Frank, to use that word, his, uh, his uh, amazing record as a, as a coach, uh, just pure win-loss. So to, to have done what they've done to get this far has been amazing. But, but over a decade apart. Yeah. Amazing. Yep. The fact is, he's been a brilliant coach. I he know. Yeah. I know that he's had his critics along the way, and that that always comes if you don't win flags and you're you're in finals. But as he as often said, and sometimes he gets criticised for doing it. He said he'd rather be up the top, uh, dealing with the pressure and dealing with the disappointment, than being down the bottom and rebuilding. And it was hard to imagine on the corresponding night last year when they got yep. decimated yep. by Melbourne in a, in a manner that felt like the end of days. I thought it was the end of days. I thought it was the signal of uh, okay, this is this has happened. It's now going to have to be some sort of rejuvenation. And they did rejuvenate to a degree, but they did it so brilliantly they haven't lost anything. In fact, they've gained. I mean, they went out a couple of years ago after being beaten twice by the Tigers, once in a grand final and once in a prelim final. So we've just got to get more pace. And so they went out and found homes. They got Isaac Smith. Myers is in the team. So there is this much more flexible nation, uh, a flexible element to their game with a lot more run, and they needed the run. Menengola can't back, get back in the side, and he's just one example, but uh, probably hasn't got the run that Chris Scott absolutely desires. I think one side of it, though, is the personnel. The other side is the tinkering with the game the style. Yeah. And, and, you know, very well known for that kick-mark possession style game and uh, obvious last year, the difference in stoppage and surge and, and taking territory. And they've been able to complement their... I guess the list that they've put together and some of the additions in personnel and start playing a bit more of a brand that's that's like the modern day game but then they've also they're coupling that with their their previous mm. strength of being able to maintain possession which I think is making them such a force of a team because they they they've got a double pronged attack of being able to control and use slick beautiful ball movement through the middle of the field but they're also willing to butt heads and crack in and win stoppage and contest which it's a credit to them and a, a really a coaching masterstroke. You said, Jared, earlier that uh, it's potentially or feels like it's the season of the century so far, and I would absolutely uh, concur with those sentiments. Do you think, though, gentlemen, that we've seen the season has been the end of the kick and control? Now, there's two types of kick and control. There's the, probably the Sydney version that goes forward. But then there's the, I think, the Frio version still that's just a little bit uh, little bit sideways. And, you know, I'll be staggered if they don't come forward next year and try and play with a little bit more flair and a little bit more speed because I reckon the kick and control, it's not going to win you the flag. Yeah, well, it's the kick and control, as you mentioned, though, taking territory. And that's the, that's the adjustment Geelong's made. They're yep. still able to, you know, pierce their way through by taking ground, you know, yep. 15, 20-metre passes, but they're also willing to kick the ball long down the line and, and take you on in a contest, very similar to the way Sydney plays. And it's the teams that have got that, I guess, a double-edged sword in terms of being able to play on offence are the teams that are right up the top of the ladder. 
We referenced it during the call last Saturday night, Jared. Slow Frio, yep. the, the Frio that Jared Healy hates. And you go, they, they have to take that lesson out of an excellent year. Oh, great year. And they've got some terrific players. I mean, they've got, they've got as good a young players as there is in the comp under 23s. But they're all good kicks. But now let's see them run and let's see them link up and, and you know, hit those kicks inside the middle and back it up, and okay, if you turn it over, push back hard, but uh, slow free, I won't get it done. They're a fascination, aren't they, at the moment? We'll get they to are. that later on. So the Lions is, since the uh, in uh, the insertion of the pre-finals by, there are a couple of very clear examples for them to draw on. Teams that looked like they were coming apart at the end of the home and away season, who were able to recuperate, galvanise and go on a run. The Bulldogs went all the way in yep. 16. The Giants is the most powerful one, I think, for the Lions right now, who picked off three highly improbable finals wins that culminated in on a dirty Saturday afternoon mm. at the MCG when they took down Collingwood, who were near unbackable yep. favourites in the game. And there are, there are strains of that final series here for the Lions, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, just going back to that Collingwood game, the, the amount of times. Remember the, the ball-ins, the ball-ins, uh, the throw-ins in that forward pocket, yeah. one after the other, after the other, after the other, and they just couldn't clear at the pies. But uh, you, know, you have to take your hat off to this Brisbane side. And once again, whether it be by force or just by intuition, the coach has bitten the bullet and said, well, and they had to really. They, they've been beaten by Melbourne a couple of times. They had to find a different way, and they went for more run. I mean, they even brought a kid in for his debut, Wilmont, and he kept him in. So this is this is a much different side to what's played out the majority of the season for Brisbane because they've added some speed and they've added this incredible knowledge now that they can bring the pressure that uh, I don't think they've ever done before, like last week. So I'm expecting growth, Jonesy. I don't think it's going to be the, the last shot in the locker. I think it's growth. I saw individuals grow last week and... Real challenge for the big O and uh, the big D, Danaher down in the forward line to uh, to bring that pressure and bring that uh, total commitment to keeping the ball in that forward line. The interesting point you raised was, I don't necess- my my uh, view of it isn't necessarily it was by design. Like you look at the injuries in that in the Richmond game, they were forced to play a little bit different. You could see they were a bit more bold, but they had to go smaller with uh, McInerney being subbed off, and they sort of shuffled that forward line. And went with a similar look last week, and they've got a far better result from it, from, particularly from teams that are uh, able to intercept and influence defensively. Yep. They are able to keep, particularly Melbourne last week at Cannibal, and and put a lot of pressure and speed on the ground against Richmond the week before. I think they've they've just sort of stumbled across. I think this is a better look, and they have to continue on with it. Well, Robertson coming into the side, I think, was a you know it was really a nod to we need some more run through the middle of the ground. Jared Lyon, I'm not sure what his future is. I'm sure he'll stay at the club. But, you know, Lyon and Neil just wasn't getting it done. It was – and fortunately, Neil has taken his athleticism to another level. But I think it was a brave move. I mean, they've, they've – uh, Mitch Robinson's out of the side. So I'm not sure who's going to play on the wing. I suspect maybe Robinson will go to Isaac Smith. I'm not sure who the other notional wingman will be for them. But uh, – I really do like this new Brisbane side, and I hope, and I hope uh, that they keep experimenting with the two talls, four smalls up in the forward line, at least uh, partially through each quarter. What's your principal tactical consideration? We'll go deep, obviously, in the preview to the game, but what's what's front of mind for you? I, I don't have a tactic. I just have pressure. It's can you bring the pressure, and Brisbane have to bring that pressure. They will clearly go inside all the time, and Geelong are brilliant at 
blocking off the corridor. So how that battle unfolds may well determine the game. But, it, you know, I keep coming back to that, the visions of Jared Berry manhandling Clayton Oliver, brutalising him and winning the ball at the same time. If, if you can get that sort of Brisbane line through the middle of the ground, then, you know, they are right in this. Yeah, I agree. That's the one thing I thought of driving in tonight was they were they were brutal. It's a great it's a great analogy for the the way they played last week. They left no stone unturned. They were aggressive at the man, aggressive at the footy, and and it was on another level. I haven't seen Brisbane at that level. I don't think ever, ever, as in in this group. And, yeah, and, for sure. and I think what we saw with Geelong in that opening quarter against Collingwood, well, probably every team's susceptible to that sort of pressure. Yeah. But you could see that it was on the experience some of the experienced yep. Geelong players that were just fumbling yep. and, and struggling a bit and to their credit they're able to work through it and, and win the game but anyone is susceptible to that level of pressure I, I agree with you I, mean, I you know I think they would have thought long and hard about Reece Stanley really fumbled a lot last week but as you said even much better ball handlers in the wet conditions and at the moment you know, it's, we've had a pretty average afternoon here in Melbourne. The ground looks pretty good, and it's 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 not dry, but it's uh, copped a bit, didn't we? I yeah, we copped a fair whack. So it's going to be slippery and a bit greasy. But the ball handling is an issue when the pressure is at extreme levels for both sides. That's what we'll see tonight from the Coates Hire commentary box. Coates, we're more than higher. We're equipped for anything. And then tomorrow in the twilight in Sydney, the first prelim at the SCG since any score will do. And Tony Lockett's <laughs> famous The big kid. fella. The big fella's coming out and he kicked a great goal. And um, I'm shattered I'm not going, to be honest. I'm really disappointed I'm not going. But nevertheless, it's uh, going to be fantastic to sit at home and, and watch it on TV and soak it in. And uh, you've been at the SCG this year with the greatest uh, invasion of all time. <laughs> and um, it's, you know, even four or five weeks ago when Collingwood were there, the atmosphere was superb and Collingwood are going to be much, much tougher this time around. I can't pick a winner out of that one because Collingwood's momentum is extreme. I'm with you. I'm on the fence. I uh, I think close relationships with a few Collingwood boys, in, in particular Jeremy Howe, I think I'd love to see him play in a granny. But, yeah, this is a toss of a coin for me. And I, I just – it shapes to be, and you don't want to talk it up too much, but it does shape to be, you know, potentially the game of the year. Um, and and I hope it. I hope we get rewarded with, with a result uh, that you know. I guess it it, it it points to being something like that because uh, I would love to see it go to the wire. And oh, I think the the pies momentum at the moment may just get them done. What are you hearing out of Sydney around? This is when the Swans can can capture the town, isn't it? When they get to moments like these. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's a bit like uh, Melbourne when the Storm are in the finals, but they've probably got a slightly bigger footprint than the Storm. But um, that that's subjective, I suppose. I, th- I think one of the reasons that's the is the case is they play at the SCG, and uh, the SCG is such a such a uh, historic ground. But um, Buddy Franklin, I think, is also one of the reasons he he uh, transcends the sport. Whereas um, you know, I think the Storm uh, used to have players like that, but uh, probably right at the moment. Not quite at that level, even though the Munster is uh, is such a huge name. Um, but I think that you know everybody knows this game is on up in Sydney. Um, it, it's it's strangely as much as people living in Melbourne assume it's exactly like Melbourne. It's not. It's still an AFL game. So, um, but it's impossible to ignore the black and white army that are going to descend, and it's impossible to ignore that Buddy Franklin maybe his last game ever. Maybe his last game for the Swans. Who knows? Um, 
but everybody is going to keep an eye and just see how that battle goes. He's up against Darcy Moore, who's one of the great uh, modern-day backmen, so it won't be easy for the big bud. But uh, he's going to have to play his role this time because they won't win unless he, uh, he hits the scoreboard. And not dissimilar to Chris Scott as John Longmire's flag is 2012. They yep. won it 2011 and 2012, and they have perennially been in contention. This is a rapid rebuild from the Swans, a, a real two-year dip, and then back into the finals and now into a prelim where they, they run favourite. That's a good point. I mean, John has won one, lost two. Two and two is a huge record. Um, and it's the same for Chris. He's been there a couple of times and, uh, and, and uh, he's won one. He's been so close a couple of times. So, I mean, these two guys have been, you know, giants of the coaching industry. But if you want that historical acknowledgement of uh, the status of a giant, you've got to get a couple of flags. And the travelling army. So that, that's one of the real um, charms of preliminary final weekend. So, Hardo, we both went up to Sydney for the Bulldogs yep. game. And there were more Bulldogs fans. They had travelled en masse. And as soon as you got to the precinct, hours ahead, there were people pouring off buses. They'd been in convoys. They'd driven themselves. Some had flown. So it's a bit like that 14,000 Collingwood fans, by any means necessary, have found, are finding their way. There'll be those listening in the car right now driving up the Hume to be part of it. Yeah, I, I did laugh. I, I, quite a few interstate people enjoyed the fact that Victorians finally worked out that airline prices get adjusted uh, when there's high demand. But, yeah, I reckon, how, how much fun would that be? Oh, yeah. you, you talked about the impact of AFL in, in Sydney. It, 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 everywhere you look, you'd see Collingwood people, wouldn't you, this weekend? Well, if you're on the Hume Highway, you're <laughs> going to see plenty of it, and uh, they'll get there early. And it's a good precinct. It really is. I mean, you, you've got Paddington if you want the pubs. You've yep. got uh, the showgrounds if you want to go in there. There's plenty of restaurants in there. I reckon the drive there would be awesome. If you lose, the drive home wouldn't quite be as awesome. <laughs> It'd be flat. Uh, a true reflection was I the, the AFL Life member tickets. I sat on there for half an hour trying to get them, and the website crashed four times. Yeah. I got logged out, and I missed out on two tickets for a mate who was planning on driving up. Like, it was out of control, just the demand. It was. Yeah, didn't Ticket Tech uh, crumble under the pump? <laughs> half a dozen times. You're right. As soon as you, you were 10 seconds away from completion, <laughs> oh, gee, okay, we'll start again. Was he going to play face value, or did you put a bit of? Did you, were you going to put a handling? No, on? no, no, just generosity. Uh, there is a note of sadness here in the football world tonight, Jared, as is one of the giants of the national game. So one of the godfathers of its creation, Dr. Alan Aylett, has passed away, aged eighty-eight. He's been hailed as the greatest figure in North Melbourne's history. A member of the team of the century, two hundred and twenty games, three consecutive best and fairests. But when he moved into administration, he lured Ron Barassi to the club. He ruthlessly exploited the 10-year rule and he landed the flag of 1975. He was moved to the VFL presidency from 1977 to 1984, which corresponded with the, the move into Sydney, Sunday afternoon football, and it ultimately led to the relocation of South Melbourne to become the Sydney Swans. Yeah, you use the term giant, and that's exactly what he was. Very few people have had more influence on the game than Alan Aylett. I don't, in fact, I don't think anybody has. Um, he was a, a very, very uh, impressive person to talk to. I knew him reasonably well, um, and I'm sad that he's passed away. But uh, his, his impact on this code has been huge. It was tumultuous at the time. It was a big call from Alan Aylett to, you know, pave the way really and force the Swans up to Sydney but he had a vision for that just like he had a vision for North Melbourne and he delivered along with uh, 
Jack Hamilton and uh, Alan Swab at the time were three of the really heavy hitters in the AFL and it was, you know, it was a tumultuous time for Sydney and for, for that group. Uh, Ricky Quaid and uh, um, and the like went up there, the group. You know, a lot of them, a lot of the players wanted to go and a lot of the fans didn't want them to go. So there were some animosities and there some some fractures uh, that needed to be healed. But uh, it needed a leader and Alan Aylett was that leader. And, uh, you know, we're benefiting from his wisdom and his courage all these years later. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he had the, there was the, the national vision and so many people didn't have, they couldn't no. even see that because they were happy with, with what we had and as good as that was it was it was amazing vision we thought VFL Park was going to be 150,000 people that was the plan wasn't it yep. back in those days and a train line and, and a train line and all the while he was uh, he was pulling out teeth during the week that's right he? he was a dentist, dentist. and uh so nobody was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so the league side of things and then the club side of things is there is no greater club administrative coup is there than the 10 year rule yeah. and what it got North Melbourne no that was amazing and it the beauty of that one is it only lasted for one club. Yeah. So they came in, they plundered, they pillaged, they got a flag and they shut it down so uh, Graham Richmond couldn't get hold of it uh, and the like. But who they get? They had uh, Doug Wade, Doug Wade, Rantel, um, Batty, Batty Davis. Um, uh, a couple more would have come through, yep. but uh, geez, it was it was big at the time. It was it was really exciting at the time. That uh, how are they doing this and wow, have a look at this, and they've gone bang, 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 and all of a sudden they're a competitive unit again. And it didn't even need the word of social media to blow up and have the rules changed. Right. <laughs> it was a big enough deal at the time. So we salute Dr. Alan Aylett and his contribution to footy. He's passed away today, aged 88. And Fitzroy player John Atkinson has passed away this week, aged 74. Atkinson was recruited to Fitzroy from Northcote Park in 1968. He played three senior matches and kicked one goal in his solitary season with the Lions. And Brisbane is going to honour him with black armbands tonight. So John Atkinson's small part in the history of the game is going to be honoured in a preliminary final by the future Lions. This is the AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. $25,000 advertising giveaway. I can win. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season. On AFL Nation for Motorola. Check out the latest smartphones from Motorola.com.au. Hello, Moto. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Motorola. Check out the latest smartphones from Motorola.com.au. Hello, Moto. It is preliminary final night at the MCG, Geelong versus the Brisbane Lions. AFL Nation is for Motorola. Check out the latest smartphones from motorola.com.au. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Nathan Jones, Jared Healy with you. Down on the boundary, we're with Cam Bruce from the, well, he was the mastermind last week inside the Lions uh, coaching staff. Cam, great to have you on AFL Nation. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. What, well, you've had bragging rights during the week with the Jared Berry move. What have you put up on the board tonight, do you get second guessed when you've uh, got the chocolates the week before? Uh, a little bit more credibility, I, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, we'll wait and see. You know what it's like. Uh, sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you get it wrong. And uh, I was fortunate to to get that result last week. Obviously, you know, I play a minor role in it. It's, it was mainly uh, well, it was all about Barry and the way he played. And you know, it's just a fantastic effort. So hopefully, he can uh, perform as well tonight. What will you do with him tonight? Well, there's a few options. They're, um, 
they, uh, they provide something a little bit different, Geelong, in terms of, you know, they've just got such a, a wide variety of players and an even contribution in terms of uh, who's around the middle of the ground and their output. So we've had to weigh up a few, a few different things and uh, we'll certainly be challenging them and uh, having to negate um, their dangerous ones. So who are they? Yeah. <laughs> you did a great job of yeah, not answering that. To, uh, you know, the obvious ones are, uh, you know, like Guthrie wins a lot of the ball. Dangerfield, we know when he's in and amongst it, he yep. can get his hands on it. Atkins is, uh, you know, he's, he's provided a fair bit of variety in terms of the fast feet and his ability to hunt that ground ball. So, um, Can I ask was, you if, if I can be pointed? Yep. I'm trying to find wingmen for you. Yep. And um, Robertson... You know, I'm not sure he could go on to Guthrie, I suppose, and then you've got to ask, well, okay, where does Berry go, etc. But Isaac Smith seems to run around uh, by himself a hell of a lot, and uh, maybe you've got to find a way to disrupt their uh, ability to transition the ball, which they do well, and he's he's a significant factor in that, if not one of the most important. Would you would you look to tag him with um, Robertson, who's, who's Robertson, who's uh, been a terrific inclusion? Yeah, look, I mean, we were very happy with the way our wingmen performed, particularly in that second half. Early on in the game against Melbourne, we were probably giving them a little bit too much space, um, but we certainly tightened that up in the second half, and, and Dev was one of those that, that executed that really well. I think, you know, Langdon uh, in particular was uh, limited with the space that he got, and, and Isaac obviously has very strong running capabilities. You know, I worked really closely with Isaac at the Hawks and um, so we're well aware of his capabilities. The one thing that he does as a wingman is he runs all over the ground. Yeah. So uh, we have to weigh up um, whether or not we hold our width and uh, versus chasing him everywhere, which sometimes can, can disrupt your, your, your game. Um, so we'll, we'll certainly be mindful and, and trying to limit the amount of space that he gets. And, and even Max Holmes has been doing similar yep. similar things. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're confident with the personnel we've got out there. If they can execute the same way as they did last week, we'll, uh, we'll get the job done there. Incredible job last week, Brucey. No sneaky texts to me, just trying to find out any little details. Well, you, you give donuts, Chuck, so <laughs> I, I knew that would be the I case. It was nothing. more. Imp- I knew you'd give us nothing, and uh, it was more just to see if you still had my phone number, mate. <laughs> Incredible job, though, and, and how off the back of that, how's the week been? We sort of touched on it. You know, have you spent all your tickets, or do you feel like the group has really grown and, and you expect a, even another level tonight? Yeah, look, we, we, we know that uh, this time of year, you really yeah, it's really important to be uh, playing with a bit of momentum and a, and a lot of belief. Um, and, and we've really um, gained that over these last couple of weeks, beating obviously very, very strong sides that were going into the finals in good form. And uh, so, you know, and the way in which we've done it has been really pleasing. Um, this time of year, you've got to be performing and applying a hell of a lot of pressure and winning that contested ball. Um, and, you know, we feel like... In that area of the game, we've been really sound. Uh, so, yeah, the boys are feeling good about things. You know, we've got um, we're sort of the underdog. It's a good it's a good title to have, and um, and you can play with a lot of freedom and um, and energy, uh, which which our boys have done, and hopefully we'll do tonight. You get Danaher and McAdurney back, and and obviously the form of Hipwood, particularly last week, was was incredible. Really, one thing we've noticed watching quite closely over the last few weeks has been the setup of the forward line: two talls, four smalls. 
which seems to have really worked for you. Do you expect to sort of play something similar or are you going to go back to utilising sort of three of those big blokes? Well, at stages throughout the game last week, we were with the three tools and, and to, to Tommy Fullerton's credit, he came in and executed that role really well. Um, yeah, look, we'll, we'll continue to, to adjust and change the, change the mix. I think what was important was where the forwards position themselves and uh, against Melbourne, it, we, we, we needed them to be about up a bit higher and connected to the play. Um, and, and that obviously gave us a little bit of grass to play with. And when you've got a player like Charlie Cameron uh, running into a bit of space, it's pretty hard to... He, he continually tells us that he's the fastest man alive. <laughs> so uh, we, we set it up for him to be able to do that. And, and uh, hopefully uh, Joe, we assume Joe will, will do the same. And if we've got three tools out there, they'll execute that role well. And we'll, we'll continue to give them uh, different looks. Brucey, I'm interested in Tom Stewart. I mean, they play a slightly different uh, brand, as you said, with their wings. In fact, sometimes they just look like they play four blokes across the, the half-back line, and Tom Stewart starts centre bounces on the wing often and, and then just pushes back and uh, has, uh, you know, the, the, the half-back flankers, the nominal half-back flankers at his side. Do you try and tag him, even though he's had his, his worst return against any club in the AFL in recent times has been against uh, Brisbane, but do you push somebody onto him that is, you know, there to stop him? Yeah, look, you're right in terms of the way he, he frees himself up. He does get support from the wingers, um, so that'll be important for us to to probably make those wingmen accountable as well as, um, as being aware of, of Tom's um, ability to read the play. Um, you know, he's one of those that is similar to, I guess, a, a lever into, at Melbourne in which we've learned if you spend too much time worrying about um, negating them, yep. you sometimes take away what's made you a good side and, and Brisbane have been a bloody good offensive side. Yep. So there's a balance in doing this. Um, and as I said, it's not just um, the, the forward who's got to worry about it. It's, it's our wingmen, it's other players that can, uh, can prevent... Um, Stewart from from actually being able to come off and, and pr- play predictable uh, intercept footy. So last one you've got a meeting to get to is O'Connor's still an emergency. So do you think they're going to tag Lockie Neal? Yeah, I, I would be very surprised if they didn't have a negating role on him. Who might it um, be, do you think? Well, I, I have a feeling that, it, that Blixarves is a, a big chance to go to him. Um, he's He's been playing a negative role in there. Um, he played on Tuke Miller, who's obviously of similar size, so um, there's there's some merit in that, and the other one I feel that they might get it, give it to is um, is Atkins. So one of those two I'm expecting uh, to to go to Lockie, and uh, you know I, I mean as you guys have seen, Lockie Lockie's in a in a league at the moment in which it's pretty hard to tag him because he's. His ability at the ground level to to, um, to hunt and follow up and his fast feet is extraordinary. And then his, his contest-to-contest work, he's built his tank up to be able to, to cover the ground unbelievably well. So it takes a pretty special player to negate him. Cam, terrific. Thanks a lot. Good luck for tonight. Good on you, boys. Thanks for having me. Cam Bruce, Brisbane Lions assistant coach. So um, Blitzavs or Atkins, they're thinking... Yeah, I thought Blitzarves would get the job initially, but uh, then he goes into the ruck occasionally, so they're going to have to have uh, a second addition, and that's probably going to be Tom Atkins in and around the ball. AFL Nation, uh, we'll take your feedback across the weekend on the Southern Phone open line. Stay in touch with Southern Phone mobile plans. Tonight's preliminary final, Geelong and Brisbane to do battle. They met at the Gabba in 2020. They met at this ground's... Uh, when they shouldn't have in 2004, and you might have been reading the stories during the week, it's still an open yeah. wound for those Lions, for Lee Matthews and his players who mm-hmm. think it materially cost them their chance of winning four premierships in a row.
Yeah, it was an ongoing thing for a long time, wasn't it? That yeah, the, uh, the contract the, for the MCG. And the fresh air handshake between uh, Lee and, uh, was it Adrian Anderson, I think? It's Andrew uh, Demetrio, I think. Was Andrew Demetrio, whoever it was, told it all. Yep. Has yep. scored the ultimate listening experience with Sonos. There's game-changing daily, weekly, and major prizes to be won. Enter at iCanWin.com.au. Plenty of other topics to deal with shortly. Before we do, Jared, just uh, without being too self-indulgent, we should congratulate you uh, on behalf of uh, the AFL Nation team for your uh, winning another Norm Smith uh, during the week, Elf Brown. And, uh, and also as the outstanding radio caller, and uh, it was yeah, very well deserved. Yeah, indeed. Uh, well done, Jared. Another uh, great honour. Thank you very much. Uh, this is AFL Nation for Motorola. Charge seven minutes for full day on Motorola Edge 30 Ultra. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Motorola. Check out the latest smartphones from motorola.com.au. Hello, Moto. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Motorola. Check out the latest smartphones from motorola.com.au. Hello, Moto. An hour and five minutes away from the opening bounce on AFL Nation for Motorola. Affordable 5G with Motorola G62 available now. Uh, Our discussions from the week. What Kane said yesterday is James Hurd's addition to the coaching process at Essendon would inevitably be a circus. And you didn't have to have judgments or leanings either way. It would just be a circus. And so it did come to pass immediately that Zach Merritt, speaking at a function, is reported as saying he's not the right coach for us. Zach says he was taken out of context, which usually means I didn't think that's how it would look when it got reported like that. And you've got the next captain of Essendon, uh, texting James Hurd to say, no, that's totally all right if you end up as coach, which uh, there is your circus. Yeah, that was an unfortunate uh, outcome, and uh, it's a lesson for uh, all the players, I think, don't get involved in the politics of your footy club. It's sometimes difficult not to f- sort of tread into that particular area, but, uh, look, it's a it's a difficult uh, situation. I admire James for having the courage and the resilience to uh, get himself off the deck, and he was right on the deck, obviously, as we all know. And, uh, you know, I'm really thrilled that he's got himself back to a position where he can actually apply. And if he gets through, and uh, as I said during the week, there's some hard asses on that uh, on that selection panel. But uh, if he gets through, well, I think he deserves support. Whether he gets through or not, I think uh, will be... Difficult for him, given his given his lack of uh, experience in, in recent times. But um, it, the circus element of it, uh, I'm glad he cleared it up pretty quickly, Zach. And uh, you know, hopefully they can move on from that. It is. I agree with you. It's in, it is courageous to put yourself forward, knowing what the immediate backlash will be and the return to entrenched positions that that people have. And not everybody has those positions, but it was just a straight return to the trenches yep. publicly and. And professionally, I think for a lot of people. And James would have known that was coming, but uh, I mean, he was—he's—he's he's driven to do the coaching. Obviously, I think—I think we can see this was going to, you know, unfold uh, through the season. There's been sort of a, you know, a slow and gradual introduction back into the mainstream, and uh, even the Howie interview, I think, prepared us for him having a crack at it. So. I'll be interested to see how it goes and whether or not if he misses out on Essendon, if is it just an Essendon yeah, want to coach I, or is it a coaching position per se? Yeah, I find that an interesting element too because in some ways I would 
love him to be in the mix for a coaching position somewhere else just yep. to take all that out. I know that would still be a factor and a consideration for the club. The history is the history. But, yeah, I do find that interesting. I, I wonder whether he would present just himself, which obviously largely would, or whether he would present, well, I've obviously here's got some team. shortcomings, but here's my team. You know, And it can't just be Solly and Spike. It's got to be, here's my team. I reckon that would be an interesting element if he gets further down the line. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm, I suspect uh, each coach wants to bring two or three of his of his group to the party. But um, I reckon Herdy may have gone for the Giants' job had Spike McVeigh not been there. I ran into him actually. I was thrilled to run into him uh, and had a really good talk to him for the first time in I can't remember how long since before the um, the drug saga. So I was really thrilled to see he was in such a good space and he loves Sydney He's, he seems to be working up there well he was working in leadership with the Giants as we yep. know and that would have been uh, interesting had he gone for that particular job but uh, whether it's the coaching or whether it's just coaching Essendon I think uh, that will unfold over the next two to three years. The really interesting aspect so that the Howie Games podcast the main theme of it was his deep and abiding love of Essendon yep. and then that transposes to there's nobody in the process who will have a better understanding of Essendon than James Hurd. Not the people asking the questions, the other coaches. How does that weigh against the pure coaching aspect? I don't envy the independent members of that panel anymore because I'm not sure. I feel like that's a club decision. Yeah. If you want to re-embrace James, that belongs to the club, not the... The panel. It's an interesting intellectual exercise to go, are you the best coach? Yep. But that's not even half the contemplation, I don't think. Look, a lot of this has been built on the unification of the ter- of the of the club. Now, I'm not sure where the fractures are. I, I don't know Essendon intimately enough to do that. But what I do know is that Collingwood were fractured two years ago and, and last year to a degree. And if you bring someone in who brings success... And you have a you know you have a new board, a new president who can control that. To me, the unification should come from the president, Graham McMahon, Ron Evans. They kept control of the so-called factions, whatever and wherever they are at Essendon. Get everybody in behind the coach, and Craig McRae has, with his brilliance as a coach this year and uh, his impact on the way people think at Collingwood. They're as united as anybody, so you know I don't think it, it. I don't think it's one man is the only man who can unite a footy club. We've seen that over history, so uh, to me that's a bit of a furphy. And I think yeah, Tim's comments about they just they need success. That'll unite everyone is, is yeah. pretty spot on, really. How much would coaching have changed from twenty fifteen to twenty twenty two, Nathan? Oh, I think I think his exposure to the game this season would have, you know, I guess, highlighted some of the differences. Yep. Ultimately, the game, from a f- fundamental perspective, hasn't necessarily changed. And I think he could bring people in and around him that helps contribute tactically. My view of a senior coach is galvanising the people, as you mentioned, motivating the players, instilling belief in that, in that culture and the direction of, you know, how he wants the team to play and perform. And he he utilises the other IP amongst his assistants to build out and develop and create you know game style and 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 tactically sort of execute for the team. And and I thought Kane sort of articulated his argument against Hurdy, but he kind of what he said he was sort of talking about how it had changed since Hurdy was there. But 
I thought all the things in how he was saying how it's changed suits what James actually brings as being all those things that, mm. you know, relationship the, the, man- the relationships and the managing of the people because he does have an aura. I think we all know the great coaches, almost all of them have an aura. There's different, you know, Craig McRae's got a different aura to mm. Lee Matthews, but they do all have an aura. They have to have that, that element of, if not, not, they're not all fear, but there's something about them and, and James definitely has that. If I was to put myself in his shoes, sort of being able to, uh, I guess, feel his passion and care and love for that club and then knowing the, the sort of how decimated they were, if he receives another opportunity, the motivation to right his wrongs could be something that is no one could bring. And if he is able to harness that in the right way, it could be absolutely everything they need. I have a feeling he would be such a compelling figure in a room speaking about what you've just mentioned. What do you think it does to the others in the process um, who enter it in good faith? Do you think they would be going, oh, are we, are, we, are we looking at a boat race here? I think they'd ask that question, but you, you know the panel members, and you know I know the panel members. It won't be a boat race in their minds, and I think it's... Um, I think uh, that's why they needed to appoint some fairly independent thinkers. Um, I mean, Wolsey's relationship with Essendon is well known, so uh, it's a, I think it's a masterstroke putting him in there. If they, you know, to if Hurdy gets to the line, that's a masterstroke to have Wolsey ticking off on it, in my personal view. And um, you know, it's a really interesting couple of weeks ahead because he may well come out in front. But I think the other guys that go in there in good faith, knowing that uh, the people associated with that process are strong people in footy and they wouldn't be party to it. And if, if he does win the process, so that the first week will be yeah. a spectacle, does it then settle? That, like once the season, once you start and lead a team into a year, doesn't it just come back to how are they playing? What's the game style? Look, there'll it, be always the opportunists, drop away? opportunists who want to, you know, revisit the past and that would uh, come for a period of time but if you win four games out of six that'll disappear if you lose four games out of six then you know the the opportunity there you know an exposed flank is is taken by a lot some people within our industry and so Hurdy would know that but uh, I suspect he in his own mind he's dealt with so much that that would be water off a duck's back in many respects. And people do forget that he actually did come back and coach, don't that, they? No doubt. There's a gap in the memory. Yeah. Mm. I, I mean, that's the problem, though. He did come back and coach, and, and it wasn't at a successful rate. But, but so much had gone on. So right? much had gone on. It's almost unfair to actually ascribe that to his you know, capacities. Yeah, so it, it's the source of much intrigue. Would they... Do you, you have to have a coach in place by the trade period, do you think, so the week after the grand final? Well, I don't think he's going to be involved in the trade, so you've just got to have one sooner the better. But getting the right man is the best, is the, uh, obviously, is the primary goal. Mm. And I, I assume that Don Pike isn't involved at the present time. He may want to be involved. Um, I'm not sure anybody else is involved who's uh, currently in the coaching. No, well, there's been the conflicting reports around Brad Scott. Brad Scott's another one. I'm no not sure if he's in or he's that. not in. Yeah. And is that the so in what Rod Lyon had said that's the second step of the process for so who it looks like he's in at the first step despite having coached and then there's the possibility I suppose of Pike or Scott or maybe it's just these four. 
We'll, uh, we'll wait to see. There'll be plenty of debate around it, I'm sure. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models, are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. We will be inside the Geelong camp shortly. Uh, James Kelly, who knows a thing or two about preliminary finals, he's going to join us down on the boundary from the coaching staff. Our Coates High commentary team tonight, Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Nathan Jones. Coates, we're more than higher, we're equipped for anything. It's the first preliminary final at the MCG. The clock ticking inside 55 minutes to the opening bounce. Geelong and the Brisbane Lions to do battle. This is the pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles, supporting small to medium builders. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Motorola. Check out the latest smartphones from motorola.com.au. Hello, Moto. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Motorola. Check out the latest smartphones from motorola.com.au. Hello, Moto. First preliminary final, Geelong and the Brisbane Lions, AFL Nation for Motorola. Find your edge with Motorola at motorola.com.au. James Kelly is with us from the Cats coaching staff. James, great to have you on AFL Nation. Thanks for having me. Stir a few memories of preliminary finals past as you stand there? A little bit, to be honest, yeah. You know, I, I don't like to be a coach that talks about um, when he would, but it definitely does feel a bit preliminary final-ish. It's lovely down here. <laughs> Still... Yeah, it's beautiful. What's your biggest concern coming in, James? Um, oh, I guess always probably the mindset of the playing group. And, you know, you question yourself as a coaching group, as have we done enough, have we done too much, have we prepared them right? Um, you know, the extra time, one game in a few weeks, you know, they're the sort of concerns. You're not really sure. And I, get, I, I sort of think there's no perfect science to the way you train them over this period of time. Um, but you're just you're just nervous for the start of the game, really, just to see how it goes. And um, you know, you hope that Brisbane don't get their tails up because they're a, they're a really dangerous team when they get a run on. Did you did you have a scratch match in that break, Kel? No, we didn't, mate. We had a um, a few periods of match play in our training, um, but we didn't. We decided not to go with a scratch match, but we had a full book of players, so we could do 18 v 18 for sort of different periods and. Um, we kind of like to script what we do with that stuff, so set up scenarios for the players a lot, let them play it out, and just sort of challenge them a bit that way without actually just letting a, a, a proper scratch match go. So um, give us about an hour or so, and I'll let you know if that's working. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you expect from the Lions? They were pretty good last week. I think everyone was expecting them to just get blown off the park, but they, uh, they grew, there's no doubt about that. And uh, what do you expect from them tonight? It'll be more of the same, you know, you know yourself, you have, games like last week have a way of, you know, bolstering the group and, and sticking with you week on week, so, you know, they'll come into the game really confident that if they can play their game and get their game established, um, they'll be really hard to beat, and it's like, we genuinely believe that, that we have to go out and, and take the game away from them really early. Um, you know, I thought they, as a group last week, they showed a lot of maturity and a lot of grit to be able to you know, pull through, um, you know, you can talk about Melbourne uh, missing some shots on goal, but, you know, th those shots on goal still have an impact on the way you feel about how the game's going. And, um, you know, they, they showed a lot of maturity, I thought, 
Um, you know, they would have learned a lot from it. So they'll be they'll be up and about. Do you set someone for Lockie Neal? Uh, yeah, that, that seems to be the advice so far. <laughs> <laughs> Who will it be? Um, look, I think we'll just go with a couple of guys taking uh, multiple turns on him. Uh, Mark O'Connor's the sub, so uh, we're not going to be running with him on Lockie for the whole time. Um, but the, the midfield crew will sort of all take their turn. Um, some guys will spend more time on him than others. Uh, but it'll be generally a, a real sort of team effort. James, what did you take out of the Collingwood game? Because it was really, an, it wasn't a very pretty performance by you, but it was a gutsy, really gutsy effort to get across the line. And maybe that's better, having a uh, victory under your belt uh, under those circumstances and just playing beautiful football. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, what we learn is that if we don't play our best footy, we are absolutely beatable. So, um, you know, we... You, we still got through the game and we had a really nice couple of weeks to train and, and talk about it and review it and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, the, but the things we want to review or wanted to review were the things that were outside of the way we normally want to play. Right. Um, and I, I think the thing we learn is, um, you know, your mental preparation and the way you approach your week is everything. We can't just sort of rock up to the game and think, oh, OK, here we go, let's just do what we do. Um, that's probably a little bit on the coaches as well you know you sort of think a little bit about that did we prepare the players well enough and talk to them in the right in the right manner um, but all in all you know we having said that we won and we're, we're happy we had that and we're happy we've had the two weeks to sort of sit and reflect on it rather than sort of having to grit the teeth last week and, and play well off some pride in your performance you know it's, it's a really different um, feel for the two weeks but we've been uh, we've been really happy with it so charlie cameron's had a pretty good record uh in finals, he's a multiple goal kicker in about the last six or so. Are you expecting him to go one out in the square at times? Uh, and if so, does does Buse go to him or does Tui go to him? Uh, first question is, yeah, I would expect that at times. Um, you know, he's he's when he's sort of a bit closer to goal, uh, he's sort of in and around the contest a bit more, and, and they like him wide or out the back when there's a lot of space for him to work with. And if I was coaching their forwards, I'd be saying the exact same thing. So. We expect him to be up and around the contest a bit. We expect to be getting forward really hard, using his speed. Um, second, second question, Jed Buse will spend a bit of time on him. Jack Henry may spend a bit of time on him. Jack Colajasny. So um, we, we sort of like to just a little bit similar to the midfield, share the load with those things. Um, you know, as long as we're connected to each other, that's that's the main thing we want to be. And how's, how's Paddy, James? How, how did uh, probably didn't have his best game, and I guess in the but still had an important contribution. But the other question is, does he get to start on the ground this time? <laughs> it's been and a did he lobby? <laughs> yeah, well, I actually did a radio the other day, and uh, him and Joel sort of were the people who were the least worried about that sort of stuff. Um, you know, they're just two unbelievably humble superstars and happy to do whatever the team needs. So, um, I, I I do think he's on the he's starting on the ground this week, and um, you know he he's really excited. I was talking to him just before. He looks really relaxed, really happy. He's a bit cheeky and a bit jovial before the game, and you know he just seems like himself, um, which is all we can ask. And you know he, he's someone who is important for us and and can really start us off well. Um, so we'll, we'll look forward to seeing what he can do. And you've shared a lot of the Joel Selwood journey, and tonight he draws alongside Michael Tarkas, the, the player who's presented in the most finals in VFL, AFL history, which uh, his legacy seemingly has grown by the, by the month this year, and that's, that's a pretty big landmark. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? You know, I sort of 
you take a bit of time to reflect. Um, a bit, you got a bit more time as a coach, and uh, I, I think now I'm back here coaching. I, I didn't appreciate Joel enough as his, as his peer, um, but being back here as a coach, you know, he's just he's as impressive today as he as he was in the first day when he got to the footy club, and um, you know, a lot of games he's single-handedly kept the he kept us in it um, back in those days when there was good players everywhere, and and he really drives the culture and. The, um, humility and the training stands at the footy club today now you, you'd forgive him for being a 350 game player and just wanting to you know get in and out of the footy club quickly and you know go about his own business but he's still as caring as empathetic with the young players as he as he always has been and um you know the the football part of joel is probably the least impressive part of him i think well, it's a great praise and uh, absolutely uh, justified uh, given he's such a stalwart and uh, fantastic player over so long. But back to a tactical perspective, we all know what uh, Brisbane have tried to do uh, in recent times and that is really in the last couple of weeks just have a crack at that uh, corridor ball. Do you change the way you defend to, I guess, negate that or is that part and parcel of your weaponry anyway? probably part and parcel of the way we want to defend um, you know I think most teams are, would, would try to keep um, dangerous ball moving opposition a bit wider um, but we certainly do um, acknowledge it during the week that that's the way they want to um, attack with the ball and it, it, we sort of present it as an opportunity for us um, if they want to play that way and yep. they want to take those risks against us um, it's going to be a little different to playing other teams so we're prepared to defend that area well and punish them the other way if, if they bite off more than they can chew. James, great to have you with us and good luck for the night. Thanks, guys. Good call. James Kelly with us from the Geelong coaching staff. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel, all-wheel drive models are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. There's an AFLW game which has just finished in Tassie. North Melbourne 4-4-28 defeated Geelong 2-4-16 so the Kangas by 12 points. Um, pretty remarkable to have a player draw level with Michael Tucker. Oh, it is it's incredible. Um, I mean I, I guess you, you can say that as we get more professional and we're at that point now, people are going to hang around longer and they are, but you've still got to hang around a long, long time and you've got to be fit and you've got to be, uh, you've got to have sustainable qualities to get you through. And um, they're two guys that uh, both played in good sides. That's part and parcel playing in finals, but uh, just had incredible endurance. And that, yes, the phenomenal record since arriving in the team in 2007. is It's recounted to such a degree that it's almost taken for granted there now, but... Um, you could have that long a career and play half as many yep. finals. Yeah, a lot of players have played a lot of games. Um, Bobby Skilton uh, played one final. Yeah, I think yeah. it was in his final game out of Waverley against St Kilda for memory. Um, so you can play a lot of games and miss out if you're in the wrong spot at the wrong time. And it, uh, you, you, We all know how many finals Geelong have played in in that longer period of time. It just underlines how good Hawthorne were too. Yeah. And Michael, how uh, in, incredible endurance Tucky had too, wasn't it? And he still wanted to play on, didn't he? He, <laughs> he did. He, and he, dirty he, he wasn't got, an immediate selection at 18 fleet, either. He no. played 100 or something in the, uh, yeah, in the twos. Exactly. Uh, so, yes, a, a real marker for Joel Selwood. And we've got the other great finals player of the year in action tomorrow in Scott Pendlebury, who's, um, I think he's moving to about 27 tomorrow. So... Uh, and he's got more footy left in him than Joel does, but yep. you'd still have to be 
making grand finals repeatedly in every year of his career to, to draw level, I suspect. Yeah, I think, didn't he play in a grand final or thereabouts in his first or second year? It might have been his second year, I think, uh, they, they, they popped yeah. after they picked up uh, Daisy and, uh, and uh, the captain. So, you know, he's, uh, he's had a great career and Collingwood have had a great year. I just got to win another flag. And Tom Hawkins to 31 finals, mm. I think, for him. He didn't play. He was at the club in 07 and 08. Didn't play in either of those games. But he must finals. have played in a few now. What's he coming up to tomorrow? Who was that? Buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Buddy would have played in. Oh, Check he'd that. be in the 20s. Maybe not, maybe not that far off the 30s. So some of the, the greats of finals footy in action across this preliminary final weekend. Brisbane are going through their warm-ups down below us. They would have packed their Samsonites as we will tomorrow to head to the SCG. Unpack the world with Samsonite. Visit samsonite.com.au. A bit of old bull, young bull. We'll get you the odds for the match. That's all coming up. The pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles, supporting small to medium builders. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Motorola. Check out the latest smartphones from motorola.com.au. Hello, Moto. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Motorola. Check out the latest smartphones from motorola.com.au. Hello, Moto. The brass band is playing down at the punt road end of the MCG ahead of the first preliminary final, Geelong and the Brisbane Lions. AFL Nation 4 Motorola, new Motorola Edge Series coming soon. Visit motorola.com.au. A big welcome to Motorola for the, the porty end of this 2022 season through the prelims and our grand final coverage on AFL Nation. A bit of old bull, young bull. It's the trade scenarios which are starting to unfold before us. I feel like we're about to crack through a threshold, the next threshold in player mobility. But there's still the capacity for funny buggers. And there's a bit of funny buggers going on with Rory Lobb and Fremantle at the moment. Well, the it? question is, is it funny? Or are they going to actually, are they, are they trying to screw a, the Bulldogs for a, a bigger draft pick? Or are they actually being 100% blunt and honest and saying, no, we need you? I mean, from the outset, they look like they need him. They look, they look like they need him more than the Bulldogs look like they need him. That's such a good observation. Because the Bulldogs have got some young tools coming through. And I'm thinking, well, okay. You've got Darcy, you've got uh, Buka Kamas, yeah, you've got um, the number one draft pick whose name's uh, quickly uh, uh, um, Jamara. Jamara. Jamara, yep. So, you know, they've, and they've also got Josh Bruce who's probably going to get squeezed out or go back into defence. I'm not sure what will happen there. But uh, funny buggers, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I really can't read this one. But at some stage, Jonesy, somebody's going to be held to account for a contract that they sign. I know that uh, their manager, I read his comments saying, I don't know what changed, but what changes is that maybe they need him more than they thought they'd need him and they've got a contract. So if you've got a contract, don't sign it. If you only want to stay for one year, don't sign it for three. You can't have it both ways. Yeah, I think the funny buggers has to come from the club so they can either keep him because they need him or leverage to a better position if they lose him. The player doesn't have any other choice. He requests it, and if the if the club says, nah, mate, you're staying, like you said, contract's a contract. But if you put yourself in Frio's shoes, I know Luke Jackson is probably going to land there. But Luke Jackson, in some respects, he doesn't replace Rory Lobb. So they've lost um, Griffin, Griffin Logue. And, I mean, Griffin Logue is probably a defender more so than a forward. They've got Tabiner coming back, but Tabiner's 30, and, you know, Tabiner's been a, a good player occasionally, and... 
but he's, he's not as good as Rory Lobb in my view. So I don't know how they say we're going to add Jackson and then lose Lobb. That doesn't make sense to me. If they think they can win it next year, then they, they really need Lobb, don't they? I suppose the problem is then they're going to most likely lose him the year after and what does they lose a bit of bargaining power and what they're going to get back. So it's, Well, possibly, but you might win a flag. So yep. I mean, I think... I think I can't see a way that he gets out of there and and, and they stay in premiership contention. I mean, I I, I can't see who's a replacement. It's, I don't see it as Luke Jackson at the moment. He's going to be centre-half back more than he's going to be a full forward, I would have thought. I've said that all year. That's why I'm not 100% sure if it's the right call because he's not the power forward that they're going to be able to lean on. He, I read the other day... Potentially utilising him as a as a midfield yeah, ruck forward type, I can see that too. Yeah. But is that what they need to win the flag? Well, you look at uh, Blitzarves out here today. I mean, he's as mobile as Blitzarves. He's got uh, he's probably he's probably got more ability and agility than Blitzarves, and yet Blitzarves is a super competitive player. So I can see him playing that role and and being excellent. I think their midfield does need bolstering. Uh, Nathan, Nat Five can go forward, we know that, so maybe he's the person that they think is going to be able to fill that hole, but you're then robbing yourselves of these capacity through the middle of the ground. So, I mean, they, they, I think they know they've got deficiencies, Frio, uh, but they also must know that, gee, they're on the right path. Some of those, some of the under-23s are coming in, and if they can add uh, Sharp from the, the Suns as well, they've got, they've got a hell of a lot of, uh, they've got a hell of a lot of, Positive uh, footy in front of them. Well, their back line we touched on, forward line, uh, midfield, unreal, lose lob, big question mark on their forward line. And, yep. and who steps into that void? What's the moral of the Luke Jackson story? Pick three, three years, 52 games, wins the rising star, instrumental in winning the flag, goes back home so quickly. <laughs> I texted him during the week. I got a response today, actually. I said, you promised me you wouldn't leave. And uh, he just said, he said it's the hardest decision he would have had to have made and um, it just, it feels right. I, I can understand. You know, I've, my brother's been through it as well, you know, living, living away from home, interstate. I think that's the pull. Um, and if, if what's been reported as far as a contract that's been sort of bandied around, if, that, if that's the figure, it's, it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to sort of turn away from that. So I can understand for all of those reasons. Um, and you just sort of wait to see where, where that lands. Um, yeah, I, I said to him, I wish him all the best, and, uh, and I do. And uh, I think he, he, whatever club he goes to, he's going to, he will turn into and realise his talent. I don't have any doubt about that. I've seen his work ethic. I've seen you know, his ability up close and personal. He's, he's well and truly yeah, worth the gamble. It's just, are you going to get that bang for your buck now, or are we still going to persist through another couple of years for him to really entrench himself in another team's culture and obviously mature into the role that they suspect that he'd play. Yeah, I think it's easy to talk him down now after the back, on the back of a disappointing finish, but uh, the last time I think Melbourne played Brisbane when he was the sole ruckman, he was uh, he was three votes. And I mean, he's a second-year player or third-year player, is he? Um, I mean, he's a hell of a talent. So it's a great investment by Frio if they can land him, which I'm sure they will. How it fits in is going to be exciting to watch. Does it change any of the philosophies around around drafting? Well, I thought that's where you're going with the question, and, and I'm thinking, well, look at Brayshaw, look at Sarong, and you look at Chera. So it's horses for courses. Chera desperate to come back. 
I think you've got to realise who you're drafting. You've got to work out, are they likely? Is there a flight risk here? And, you know, that's one of the reasons, you know, I think you should err, if you can, on home state. But West Coast have got a similar challenge right now because, from my understanding, the top end of the draft will be Victorian-based this year. A couple of years ago, it was WA-based. So they'll have to consider carefully who do they take. And, you know, some Victorians have gone over there and stayed. Chris Judd stayed for a long period of time, went through a couple of grand finals, picked up a Norm Smith in the Premiership, eventually came home. I think after eight or nine years, the club would say, good investment, we're happy with that. And we'll take uh, Josh Kennedy on the way through. (laughs) One thing that always confounds me is someone can, and look at, say, Tanner Bruin or someone in that state, can get picked up at a position in the draft, would be a three or 12, have three years of development in them, and then only be judged... And, and so you know what you're going to get, and yet they're worth now less. worth less mm. in terms of draft number than what when you first. Well, that's because of the exposure. I mean, Tanner's uh, I think got lots of upside, but hasn't dominated enough. Hasn't had a lot of opportunity, by the way. Yeah, he, he had a bit this year where yeah. he didn't really take. But, but even Jackson, what's he what's he worth as a as a pick? If he was three originally, what's he worth now? Higher. Oh, I'm yeah, absolutely. To it's two and something for me. But but. I mean, the overriding philosophy, Jared, of this is you're, you're pointing out the problem that the clubs have, the four clubs north of the Murray have, because there's no pool, real pool. And it's why I keep going back to, I think, the flawed decision of the commission to take away the recruiting zone for the Giants um, because they won three games in the first five minutes, uh, you know, early. It was a ridiculous decision in my view. They needed to load them up, and so there's some sustainability Brisbane have got the same problem. They've done a great job. No one wanted to play for Brisbane yeah. for a fair period of time, and yet they've turned their club around. So it's it's able to be done, but the pull, the go home factor is even if it's a even if it's an excuse, at least it's a legitimate excuse that you can use publicly. Yeah, and if it's at year three, that's yeah. the, that's the worry. I think yeah. six to eight years is no because you do get your service and you get mm. to trade it, but. Year three, you'd never get anything really to show for your trouble. It's unlikely you're going to get someone with a flag in three years too yeah. often, is it? Tomorrow's car is available today a selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel efficient diesel. All wheel drive models are now in stock, ready to drive away. Tech Drive, a Tucson, to see why tomorrow wants its car back. Geelong and the Brisbane Lions tonight. Sydney Swans and Collingwood. We'll pack our Samsonites in the morning, unpack the world with Samsonite. Visit samsonite.com.au. On duty tonight, Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy, and Nathan Jones were in the Coates Hire commentary box. Coates were more than higher, we're equipped for anything. The teams are unchanged. The subs are Mark O'Connor and Reese Matheson. We will shortly be into the preview for Motorola AFL Nation new Motorola Edge series coming soon. Visit motorola.com.au. Hello, Moto. You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Motorola. Check out the latest smartphones from motorola.com.au. Hello, Moto. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.